Go to Joshua chapter 7 with me, if you would. Joshua chapter 7. And um, as I mentioned, I think it was Sunday, uh, I was reading in, in this passage, and I got to, to a point, and I, I read a statement I've never, never paid attention to before that Joshua made just after the, uh, the battle of Ai, the first battle of Ai, went sour. And Joshua makes a statement that for the man who later says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Um, and, and, and the stand, matter of fact, the stand even years before, 40, 40 years prior uh, in, in going into the land, and Joshua is one of the ones saying, uh, you know, it's every, the land is everything God said. The land is, uh, you know, is all that we've been promised. And, and yes, there are giants, and yes, there are obstacles, but I think with God we can do it. Let's go. And he and Caleb alone took a stand when everybody else said, uh, said nope, let's not do it. Y'all are crazy. Well, you know, we're grasshoppers in their sight, and, and we, are, we aren't about to go in there and get slaughtered. Well, here's Joshua, the same one who, t- who stood strong 40 years prior, the same one who later would claim, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, very adamantly, very dogmatically, without question. And, and Joshua, at this point in Joshua chapter 7, makes a very foolish statement. And, uh, and he did not think before he spoke. And the question we're going to ask ourselves tonight is, is not just a simple one-liner statement. It's a, 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 a triple-layered statement. Uh, we'll bring that up in just a moment. But let's read Joshua chapter 7, verse 5, down to verse number 9. <clears throat> the Bible tells us here, uh, And the men of Ai smote of them about thirty and six men, for they chased them from before the gate even um, unto... Uh, Shebarim, and uh, smote them in the going down, wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. And Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide, he and the elders of Israel, and put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, now here we go, here's his statement that caught my attention. Joshua said, alas, O Lord God, Wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Well, that's one statement, but it gets worse. Would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side Jordan. That's the main one that caught my attention. But then he says in verse number eight, O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us around, uh, environ us around and count, uh, cut off our name from the earth. And now get this statement. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name? Hold on a second. Number one, he says, why did you bring us here to destroy us? Does that sound familiar? Children of Israel did that ever since they left Egypt. 
Every, every time something didn't quite go the way they thought or, or expected, that's exactly what they'd say. And then he said, would to God we had been content to just stay on the other side of Jordan, which, by the way, was not the promised land. That was on the other line. They had to cross through Jordan to actually step into the promise. And he said, would to God we just stayed over there. And then he looks and, and, and basically, to a degree, points a finger at God at verse number 9. And what, what wilt thou do to thy great name? You're going to let this kind of stuff happen, God? Haven't you even thought about what you're doing to your name? Hello. He's mighty brave. Or may I say, kind of stupid. Um, he did not think before he spoke and he made some very strong accusations as well as very 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 foolish claims concerning what we should have done we should have just stayed on the other side of Jordan um but let me let me give you this okay as we enter into this chapter in chapter 7 we enter into a place with Israel having just experienced an impossible victory over Jericho. Now, in that impossible victory, uh, it produced an, an energy and confidence uh, that a victory is possible. Unfortunately, it also came with some very fleshly dangers that God helped, tried to help them stay aware of and protect themselves from. The fleshly dangers of, look what we did. The fleshly dangers of, we can take on anybody. The fleshly dangers of forgetting that it wasn't their battle and it wasn't their victory. All they did, they did not lift a sword. They did not, they did not fight against a single person all they did was exercise six days in a row and did it seven times on the seventh day. They walked all the way around the walls and then they went home and they got up and they did their morning routine and walked around the walls and they went home. They did nothing to win a battle and yet God did everything that he did to help protect them from themselves in that sense thinking that they accomplished something and they were somebody and here we are, hey, we're walking, we're just gonna breeze through this promised land. May I say, uh, child of God, the promised land we know is a picture of what can be the victorious Christian life. It is not a picture of heaven. If the promised land is heaven, we're in trouble because it's not gonna be near what we thought. Heaven is not full of battles. Heaven is not full of struggles. Heaven's not full of, of, of sin and issue and, and, and dealing with, with sinful people. Heaven is a place where all that's done away with. Presence of God, all that's done away with. So promised land is not a picture of crossing over Jordan into heaven. That's, uh, be careful getting your theology from songwriters. Because it sounds good and it sings good and it feels good, but it's not always biblical. But the promised land is a picture of the possibility the promise of God for a victorious Christian life and if we are willing to fight the battles 
but we are willing to fight the battles with God as the leader and God as the guide of how to handle it, what to do. In this life, we can face battles, we can face enemies, we can face obstacles, but yet God can bring the milk and honey that flows and he can bring the grapes and the sweetness of things and he can, I mean, he can provide in ways, you know, areas that we did not plant, he can allow us to reap. In areas where, where we did not put investment in, he can allow us to see uh, the results of great things and we can, we can enjoy life at the blessings of God through simple obedience in the Christian life to be victorious as God leads, just like he did for the children of Israel. All they had to do was be obedient to his command to go through the land, to deal with the enemy, to fight the battles that, that they were supposed to fight and to basically claim that which God wanted them to have. But it took a obedience and faithfulness to follow him the entire time and then as they followed him there came a time when there was peace now they didn't have permanent peace because in the end they didn't fully obey God they didn't fully destroy uh, the enemy or or the infestation of the land that would one day come back to bite them and turn their hearts away from God by the way, it's still the picture of the victorious Christian life. It's still the picture of what a child of God needs to be aware of because we fight battles all the time. You have areas and I have areas in our life where we need to get victory over this flesh. And if we get victory, that's wonderful. But we're, we're supposed to go and get victory over every area of the flesh that the spirit have full control and the flesh be killed daily. And die daily. What happens to us when we let a little bitty piece of the flesh survive and, and go on and we, we stop fighting the battle just before we fully eradicate that issue in our life? What happens later on? That issue comes back to bite us. Well, I got most of the victory over that one. I'm, I'm pretty good. I got enough of it. Well, the problem is later on it creeps its way back in. Next thing you know, we start fighting an enemy that was supposed to be gone. It's the same picture it goes back, the, 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 the promised land, uh, Canaan, is a picture of what a child of God is to deal with. And by the way, as we are faithful and obedient to God, we will see victory in this Christian life, and with victory comes peace. And so Joshua and the children of Israel come into chapter 7, having gone to Jericho, having done exactly what they were supposed to do, and God brought a great victory. Now, the Lord had made very clear for their own safety and for them, he, he's going to teach them a lesson right here, but he had made clear that Jericho was his victory. It was his battle. And the spoils of Jericho were to belong to God alone. It was the first battle of the promised land. And Israel was to see that only God can lead them to victory. The fact that the spoils of Jericho belong to God and God alone is the first battle. It's the first of the, the, the promised land is the first of the first. Anybody have any idea what principle that he's setting in place again? First fruits. This is mine. Everything else I'm going to give you, but this one's mine. And it was a rich place, and it was very abundant. And there was a lot of, you say, how do you know? Because Achan saw it, and he wanted some of it. And so this was wealth, and this was opportunity, but God said every bit of it is accursed. You take what belongs to me, you bring a curse onto your life. Don't steal from God. This is God's. And so Jericho was a picture of first fruits. 
Everything that happened at Jericho was to consistently remind the children of Israel that only the Lord can bring them the victory and the promise of the promised land. They would only be victorious through the power of God, not of themselves. However, in viewing themselves to have conquered a great city, Joshua, the leader, and the people see their next target in little Ai. And they don't even hesitate. They jump right on, and without seeking the wisdom of God, they attack with very little regard for what would happen in this attack. We'll see that in just a minute. But it, it is in this foolish decision that they make, they find themselves distressed over the unthinkable outcome. It's only 30, what is it, 36, 30 and 6? 36 men that die. But by the way, that's 36 families facing someone they've lost. And it is a, a distraught time. It is a time where the, a people that saw one of the greatest walled cities of, of this land fall at their feet. And then they go to this little bitty city. And they run in fear when they thought they should be conquering them. It is unthinkable. How could such a small, weak city like Ai defeat their great and triumphant army? Well, that's what we find uh, in, in these chapters here, in verse 1 through 6. Uh, matter of fact, just read it with me real quick as we look at this very quickly. Um, actually, I'm going to skip down. To, look at verse number 2. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside uh, Bethaven, uh, on the east of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not the people go up, not, let, let all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai, and make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. And so, I'm not going to read any further right now, because we're going to see these in just a second. And we're going to look at what happened to Joshua here, and, uh, and, and look at what takes place. But I will tell you this, when Joshua gets emotional, after they fail, they go to battle, 36 men die. They run from this little bitty, little bitty city that never should have been an issue for them. They run in fear, and, and they're, now they're scared. Now everybody's going to hear about it. Now everybody's going to think that we're not anything, and they're going to they're come after us. And what are we going to do? Word of God that we just stayed on the other side of Jordan and didn't try to take this land. Whoa, 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 where's the Joshua from 40 years ago? What happened to Joshua? Now get this, here's, here's what's interesting, unless everybody, you know, pe people think that, well, God, God's, you know, he's one of those pat him on the popo kind of people. You know, be a, oh, it's okay, Joshua, it's gonna, no, no, no. Look what God's reaction is in verse number 10 and 11 when Joshua cries out and, and, and boo-hoos on, on the Lord's shoulder. Um, verse number 10, and the Lord said unto Joshua, get thee up. Wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Get up, boy. I ain't having it. And then he looks and says this, Israel hath sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have even taken of the accursed 
thing and have also stolen and dissembled also and they have put it even among their own stuff. Now, God didn't say who it was. God said, Israel has done this. Every one of you are guilty. So here's, here's the question I want to ask, and I'm going to give you these three. The, the, uh, well, there's four of them, but it's very simple. We're not going to take very long with them. But here's the three-tiered question. Why do people turn on God when things go bad, then think their old life would be better, and act as though God has lost his wisdom and control of the situation? That's what Joshua does. He, he, this happens... And it's, well, God, what hap- what's going on? You bring us out here to kill us? Would to God we had just stayed where we were. My old life. The old, the old design. The old, the, by the way, I'll remind you, they were 40 years wandering in the wilderness because of what? Disobedience. Would to God we would have just stayed over there in the land of disobedience instead of entering into the promised land where you're going to kill us. And then what, what are you, by the way, God, have you not thought about, what are you going to do to your name? How are you going to fix that one? I mean, think about it. That's what he's doing. He's like, like, like God did not think about what he was doing when he did it. And so Joshua shows what, what many people do, unfortunately. And, and here's the, the, the biggest issue of it all it's not that he he just looked and said why'd you bring us here to kill us it's not that he he in the end said well what are you going to do about your name if you destroy it god the biggest issue i have is right in the middle when he said it would have been better for us to stay on the other side of jordan why do people think that when when life doesn't go perfect or things go bad by the way you'll find out in a minute it's not because God was taking them through testing times. It's because they had taken themselves into an area they had not sought God. They had not listened to God. They hadn't gone to him in any way. And there was sin in the camp. They had brought themselves to a consequence time frame when God warned them about that. And there was no checkup. There was no investigation. There was no making sure their heart was right. They just jumped on into whatever they thought and didn't seek God whatsoever. And then when, it, when things go bad, whoa, why God, what's going on? And then they look and say, maybe it's just better, Joshua. Maybe it's just better we just stayed over there. and we, Maybe we just ought to go back to our old life before we were following God into the promised land. Go back into our old life before we were, were, were trusting him to take us through a victorious Christian life. Maybe just go back to when I wasn't worrying about having to fight the Christian battles. Go back to the life when I, when I had what appeared to, from all I can remember, that's all the good times. That was all the fun times. Yeah, I, I'm sure it was fun wandering through the desert for 40 years. I'm sure it was a blast coming all the way up to the, to, the, to the edge of a beautiful promised land that you've been looking for and just stay over there in the desert instead of coming to the promised land. And when you look at it, it makes no sense that he would say it would be better that we just stayed over on the other side of Jordan. But in this moment, he's looking at thinking, man, if this is the way it's going to be, I'll just go back to my old life. It kind of sounds like Peter. If this is the way it's going to be, I'm just, I go fishing. 
Why do, why do people do this? Someone's going to leave Peter alone. He always creeps back in. But here's, here's, here's our things. We're, we're, I'm going to give you these and what we've done. Look at these, at these verses that are right before us in chapter 7 here. But um, here, here's what we see. To, to see why people would do this, let, let's just look at what Joshua did. The first thing you find is Joshua forgot who was leading them. In verse number 2, you don't find Joshua seeking counsel from the Lord. Verse number two says, and Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai. And it goes on, and spake unto them saying, go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. There's no mention of following God, no mention of searching out God's will. It's just Joshua as a leader of a victorious army over Jericho. Joshua sends his spies out for the next conquest. He forgot who was leading this group of people. He thought all of a sudden he was the one leading it. He's the one in charge. He's the one with all the great ideas. Uh, I remind you, when they crossed over Jordan to face Jericho, Joshua looked to the Lord for directions on every move they made. When they crossed Jordan, Jordan, it was by God's specific directions as to what they did to cross the Jordan. Even down to when the priests stepped their foot into the brink, the people didn't stand there waiting for it to wait for it to, to part as it was at the Red Sea. It actually, when when they stepped in, God walled it up and stopped it. It was a whole different process. If they had tried to follow the same process that had happened at the Red Sea, there would have been a great failure. They followed God's directions. Joshua got it from God. Joshua shared it to the the leaders. The leaders shared it to the people, and they followed God's command, and they got across Jordan. Once they got across, there was was a time frame when God said, okay, now it's time for me to consecrate, Uh, and and they they, they went through a whole process uh, of finding those who had not been circumcised, all that, that process that goes on. I can go into all the details of all that, but they, they went through, it was, it was a consecration, a, a dedication of separating themselves from the rest of the heathen world. They were to be different and they dedicated themselves to God through God's direction. Then after that, God met with Joshua and, and told him the battle plan of how they're going to attack Jericho and Joshua follows the battle plan that God gives him directly. And what happens through all that process? They come across Jordan. The people are encouraged by by unifying themselves with their God. And then they go to Jericho and they see a great and mighty victory. That entire process was following God, following God, following God, following God, not moving until he gave direction. And then it comes to Ai and God is not asked one time, what should we do? Joshua forgot who was, who, who was leading them. And he kind of put himself as a great leader. Now, I'm not tearing them up. I'm just saying the obvious of what happened. It can happen to any individual in this life. Number two, he listened to the wrong counsel. Verse number three tells us those spies that he sent to go spy out the land for Ai. It says, and, and they returned to Joshua and said unto him, let not all the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and smite Ai and make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. Did Joshua then seek God's counsel to see is this wise advice? No, he took the wrong counsel and ran with it. Now, I want you to picture the crybaby that he was later on. When he went to God and said, why? When he went to God with all that, you wonder why God said, get up. 
Why are you, why are you blubbering by my feet? Get up. There's a problem here, and you would have known it if you would have come to me. Now watch. He forgot who was leading them. He listened to the wrong counsel in verse number three. He made decisions based on pride. Verse four through six, they go to battle, and they go expecting to destroy these people because who are they against us? We're descending a portion of our army, and we should slaughter them. Because look what we just did at Jericho. We're mighty, we're great, we're wonderful. Boy, look at all that we have done and all the mighty victories we've already had. Boy, we came across the Jordan. Who's done that around here? You know, we, we've, we've uh, honored our God the way we ought to. Boy, we're spiritually strong. And we just fought a massive battle and won against all odds. Nobody thought it was possible. Look what we've done. Now let's just go take care of this little pipsqueak of a city. He and the people got lifted up in pride because the very thing God was trying to help them avoid, they ignored. And through God's guidance, he's trying to tell them, this is my victory, this is my city, you're only gonna do this with my help. But in fact, you're not even gonna lift a, a finger to fight. I'm gonna do the fighting and you're gonna know it's me and me alone that is bringing the victory for you as you go through these battles. This one's mine just to prove who I am. And once it was all, all over with, they forgot who it was that won the battle. And they go out to the next one thinking, we got this. He forgot who was leading them. He listened to the wrong counsel and they made a decision based on pride. Romans 12, 3 reminds us, for, for I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. That is the warning that we are given constantly about this flesh. And lastly, he forgot who was leading them. He listened to the wrong counsel. He made decisions based on pride and he failed to acknowledge consequence. Verse number seven, when he cries out, O Lord, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? It wasn't God that was delivering them. They were delivering themselves because they had made poor choices and forgotten to include God. And now all of a sudden it's God's fault? Would to God we had been content to dwell on the other side of Jordan. Well, is that God's will for them? To stay on the other side or to live victorious in Canaan, the promised land? Which was God's will for them to be victorious in Canaan? The problem was it wasn't God's failure to help them be victorious. It was their failure to follow God. And consequences fall. And all of a sudden, that's not fair, God. Why? Well, why is because if you'll just acknowledge that you forgot to ask him, do we go to battle? You forgot to ask him, do we go this way or that way? You forgot to call on God to find out, is there anything in the way that we would not be able to follow you in your perfect will? If they had just acknowledged God, then they wouldn't have to be recognizing consequence of sin. Now, it's obvious that they, they face some pretty harsh, and it's only 36, but it's still 36. That still hurt. And it was a shock to them because it nailed their pride pretty hard. And they thought they were somebody. Now all of a sudden, they feel like we're about to be running for our lives because everybody's gonna come after us. 
May I remind you, Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says, uh, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. May I remind you, Joshua and the people were reaping the sin within the camp. And they're trying to figure out what's going on. And Joshua's saying, we would have just been better off to stay on the other side of Jordan than to face this. Now, let me wrap it up and, and, and end it right here with, with this final thought and making it applicable to, to our lives today. Too many people go into life, quote unquote, following God, and they get into things and I'm not saying this is every scenario, but many scenarios, they get into things and it doesn't go well. They jump into things before God says go because they've got confidence and they've got, they, I'm brave, here we go, let's go. I can do all things through Christ. Well, that's a great thing to say, but the problem is if you're not in the will of God, it's not in Christ, it's in the flesh. It's not through Christ, it's through me. And they don't even check to see if it's the will of God, they just jump. Or sometimes people are going through things and they think that all of a sudden now that they've given their life to Christ, everything of their past is no longer going to be an issue for them because God wiped away sin and all consequence of sin. <laughs> no. He might be able and he might choose to intervene on some consequence for his child, but as a whole, just like he did for David, he stopped it early. He stopped it before it could have finished out much worse. God intervened a little bit in David's case, but just because I became a child of God and I decided to give my life to God doesn't mean that there are some things from my past that I'm going to face as consequence in my Christian life. And just because I'm facing some things of consequence in my Christian life now does not mean that this life isn't worth it. I'll just go back to the things I used to do because it was so much better over there. No, it wasn't. That over there is what's bringing this over here. <laughs> but how often does Satan paint a beautiful picture while we're in the middle of, of trying to serve God and something goes haywire, or sometimes it's because of the past before I decide to serve God. Sometimes it's because in the midst of supposedly serving God, I'm actually making my own choices and I haven't sought him and I'm facing some immediate consequences because I'm doing it my way while, while claiming it to be God's way. Well, well, gracious, if that's the way God's going to be about it, I'll go back to my old worldly life because it was way more fun back there. No, it wasn't. It's just easier to remember, by the way, by Satan's help, it's easier to remember all the supposed, quote-unquote, fun things of a life without Christ or a life going against God's will. But here's Joshua and the children of Israel after a great victory with everything ahead of them of all God's promises and they make a bad choice and they don't seek the Lord and consequence falls and the first thing Joshua says is would to God we just stayed over there. Well, how dumb would that have been? Would they have ever seen the blessings of the promised land? No. Would they have ever experienced uh, Caleb saying, I want that mountain, and Caleb getting his mountain? No. Would they have seen any victories and known any peace 
on the other side of Jordan. No. And yet in that one moment, all of a sudden, it's all worth just throwing it away and going back. Why? Because you're facing consequences because you didn't follow God? If anything, it's of the Lord's mercies that he allows consequences to fall so we realize I can't do it in my flesh. I can't do it my way and succeed. I have to do it God's way. Which means I have to continually consult his wisdom and confide in his directions because if I take one single step of my own counsel, I end up in trouble. But so many times, so many times, too often, while trying to quote-unquote follow God, sometimes people are following God and consequences from the past are now in their face to, fa- to deal with and they can trust God through it and let God help them through it or they can say, this isn't fair, God. I'm gonna go back to what I used to do because that was fun. This is not. Or they claim to follow God but they're really not asking him about anything and they're doing their own way to look spiritual and consequences come because of bad and wrong decisions and all of a sudden it's God's fault and I'm not gonna stay here, I'm not gonna follow God, I'm gonna go to the world because the world has a lot more fun. It makes zero sense, but in an emotional decision, it's real easy to ignore what has actually taken place. And then when I ignore what's really going on, it's real easy to come up with a misunderstanding of what it would be like to go back. It'd be so much, so much better in my old life. No, it wouldn't. It would just be double worse than it was before because now I know better. Now I've experienced better. I go back, and in going back, it will not get better. It'll only get worse and worse and worse. But Satan paints a real pretty picture. Because the last thing he wants is the child of God to understand what it is to live a victorious Christian life. I remind you, and we're done. Joshua, after this, learns his lesson. They find the sin. They find the issue. They deal with it. And then the next time, Joshua consults God first. And the Lord gives him wisdom as to go, how to go against Ai. And they won the battle without a single problem. Every time God is given the option to lead, God's people find victory. Every time we step out and do it on our own, we find nothing but consequence. And if we're not careful, Satan will try to convince us the victorious Christian life is not worth it. The promised land's not worth it. Just go back on the other side and go enjoy the life you used to have. I'm sorry, there is no enjoyment there. It is nothing but an illusion and it's destruction. Joshua hurt, he made a very bad statement, but he learned his lesson, moved on, became a great man of God, and later on declared, I don't know about y'all, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Had to learn a hard lesson, but at least he learned it and moved forward, letting God lead and show them victory. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the night. Thank you for the truth of your word. I pray it should help us not to be the...